Um, let's go to the Lord in prayer. I invite you to stand if you'd like to. Uh, God, I thank you for this day and this opportunity to worship you. Lord, I pray that you'd be in this place this morning. Help us to see you for who you are, to lift you up. God, work in this place today. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to say that you're my God. You're altogether lovely, altogether worthy, altogether wonderful to me. Light of the world, you step down into darkness. Open my eyes, let me see. Beauty that made this heart adore you. Hope of a life spent with you. So here I am to worship, here I am to bow down, here I am to say that you're my God, you're altogether lovely, altogether worthy, altogether wonderful to me. King of all days, oh, so highly exalted, glorious in heaven above. Humbly you came to the earth you created, all for love's sake became poor. Here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down, here I am to say that you're my God. You're altogether lovely, altogether worthy, altogether wonderful to me. Here I am to worship, here I am to bow down. Here I am to say that you're my God. You're altogether lovely, altogether worthy, altogether wonderful to me. And I'll never know how much it costs to see my sin. Upon that cross, and I'll never know how much it costs to see my sin upon that cross. Here I am to worship, here I am to bow down, here I am to say that you're my God. You're altogether lovely, altogether worthy, altogether wonderful to me. 
Here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to say that you're my God. You're all together loving, all together worthy, all together wonderful to me. So here I am to worship. The scripture reading is Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I'm on my knees again God, I'm begging please again I need you Oh, I need you Walking down these desert roads Water for my thirsty soul I need you Oh, I need you Your forgiveness Is like sweet, sweet honey On my lips like the sound of a symphony to my ears like holy water on my skin dead man walking slave to sin i want to know about being born again i need you Oh God, I need you. So take me to the riverside. Take me under baptize. I need you. Oh God, I need you. Your forgiveness is like sweet, sweet honey on my lips. Like the sound of a symphony to my ears. Like holy water on my skin. And I don't want to abuse your grace. God, I need it every day. It's the only thing that ever really makes me want to change. I don't want to abuse your grace God, I need it every day It's the only thing that ever really makes me want to change I don't want to abuse your grace God, I need it every day It's the only thing that ever really makes me want to change I don't want to abuse your grace God, I need it every day It's the only thing that ever really makes me want to change. Your forgiveness is like sweet, sweet honey on my lips. 
like the sound of a symphony to my ears it's like holy water your forgiveness it's like sweet sweet honey on my lips like the sound of a symphony to my ears like holy water on my skin like holy water on my skin it's like holy water Oh, 
Savior's love through the storm. He is Lord, Lord of all. He shall come with trumpet sound. Oh, may I then His righteousness alone, faultless stand before the it all 
You're worthy of it all. For from you are all things, and to you are all things. You deserve the glory. Amen. God, you are worthy. You're so good. God, we're just thankful for who you are and how great you are and how you give to us. And God, right now, I just pray that you'd open your word to us. I pray that you would speak to us, God, and help us to draw closer to you than what we have been before, to understand you better than what we have before. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. It was good to, to see the, the video of Oklahoma Baptist Relief. Uh, Oklahoma Baptists are doing lots of good things. Uh, you know, back when we had that, that big, hard freeze, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, you know, our, the church I was pastoring in Shawnee, we had our main water vein break, and we had 100,000 gallons of water in our church. You want to know how much 100,000 gallons is? Take three in-ground pools in your backyard. That's how much water we had in our church. And so it's just, and we had $800,000 of damage. And, you know, I, I let our, our Oklahoma Baptist leaders know about it. And a couple days later, they, they brought us uh, $6,000 to help with our deductible. And uh, Todd Fisher, who was pastoring in Shawnee at the time, who's now our uh, executive director, we had $1,500 more for our deductible. And he came over and gave that to me. So we've got, we've got really good leaders and, and Oklahoma Baptists are doing really good things. So, you know, when we give to the church, uh, you know, weekly, part of the money, uh, most of the money stays with the church, but, you know, part of it goes to Oklahoma Baptists and to and to, to Southern Baptists to do ministry here in Oklahoma and, you know, around the country and around the world. And, you know, this offering we take in um, this time of the year is specifically for Oklahoma Baptists. So, uh, you know, give as the Lord uh, leads you to give. We're going to be in Psalm 23 today, Psalm 23. Uh, kind of take a different look at it today, uh, a more personal look perhaps. And uh, before we do that, would you just pray with me? Would you ask God to speak specifically to you, to your heart, to your life today? Uh, Father in heaven, we know you're here with us. We know that you're our good shepherd. We know that you love us. Thank you for that, Lord Jesus. And we just pray, God, that you'd speak through the reading of your word, speak through the preaching and teaching of your word. Lord, speak, speak to us, our, our hearts, our lives, our relationship with you. Speak to us at the point of our our, our trials, our difficulties, and our suffering, God. We want to glorify you in our lives. We want to know you better, and we pray this in the strong name of Jesus, and all God's people agreed. Amen. Hey, thanks for praying with me. Uh, would you stand with me? We'll read from the Lord's Word together. Um, this is uh, one of the Psalms of David. You know, God's Holy Spirit inspired David through a difficult season in his life to give this Psalm to us. And it's probably the most well-known passage of Scripture in, in our Old Testament, maybe the most well-known passage of Scripture in, in, in the whole Bible. But it's a great passage that speaks to our heart today. Uh, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. <clears throat> he guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. 
Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Uh, uh, This is the word of the Lord for us today. Uh, Please be seated. I found that I try to make sense out of life through, with, with the help of God, and I especially try to make sense out of life through prayer and, and looking at life through the, through the pages of God's Word. And when, especially when, you know, we're in a difficult time, we're going through a trial or suffering, it's my life or Connie's life or someone in our family, just it helps me to make sense out of life, looking at life through God's Word. And I believe that's one of the reasons that, that God gives us the Scriptures. And, you know, as God works in, in one of our lives through the Scripture, you know, that can bless others. It can rub off on others. And so this morning, as we, we look at Psalm 23, I, I want to look at Psalm 23 as uh, looking at the walking through the valley of the shadow of cancer. Um, you know, we've gone through cancer in our life. You know, Connie has, some of you all have, um, some of your loved ones have. And, and I'd like to take Psalm 23 to, to, to talk about walking through the valley of uh, the shadow of cancer. And I'm, I'm making it, uh, pretty personal. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll talk about what Psalm 23 means. But in the midst of it, I'm making it pretty personal because I, I want to weave the, the story of, of my life and Connie's life in our, in our journey through cancer and, and hope that God God will, will speak to your hearts and encourage you today and, and help you if, if either you or one of your loved ones is, is walking through cancer or, or might someday in the future. So, you know, Father's Day of 2020 really began the, the most difficult year in, in our lives, in, in our marriage, certainly. You know, Connie woke me up like 1 a.m. in the morning and told me she had such unbearable abdominal pain uh, that she needed to go to the emergency room. And we live in Shawnee, so we ended up, you know, going uh, to Shawnee. And, her, you know, her blood pressure was crazy high because of the pain. I think it was like 220 over 194. And so they got, got her, got her, her, pain down so her blood pressure would go down then you know started all sorts of tests and cat scans and thankfully because uh, Shawnee's hospital at St. Anthony's relate is in the same system as the one in Oklahoma City uh, the specialists in Oklahoma City even like two and three in the morning could could read her scans at the same time and and she had a they they diagnosed that she had a had problems with her kidney, and um, in her, she had a hole in her kidney. And so the, 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 the surgeon over in Oklahoma City who was talking with us on the phone said, I've never seen this before. He said, I don't know what caused it. Did you have a car accident, or did you have a medical procedure that, that somebody botched? And, and we told Dr. Ramadan, we said, you know, n- neither thing happened. We don't know what happened. She's just in a lot of pain. And so, you know, that night there was just no medical answer to why Connie's kidney had ruptured. And so he said, I want you to get her on an ambulance to Oklahoma City. We'll treat her pain tonight. You know, tomorrow, early tomorrow morning, we'll put a stent in her kidney um, so that the wound can heal. And so over, over the next four months, it was, it was very much, it felt like a treasure hunt to me that, uh, you know, really excellent doctors were, were trying to figure out what went wrong with Connie's health and why she had this, this rupture in her kidney. 
And it, it took four months to figure it out. You know, it just seemed like she went through, you know, multiple scans, all sorts of, all sorts of, of blood tests, uh, bone marrow tap. And you, you know how it works if you're really sick. Um, they plan these tests and you wait. <laughs> you wait till there's a, a, a slot open so you can take the test. Then you wait more uh, for the results of the test. And in, in this four-month journey, it seems like nothing really went well. You know, she ended up in the emergency room five times. You know, she ended up in the hospital 14, uh, four, four times. Um, you know, ended up with four surgeries, all sorts of uh, issues. And in the midst of it, when they're diagnosing cancer, because they had had a stent in her kidney, she ended up getting severe sepsis and went into kidney failure uh, early one Sunday morning. And, you know, I was really concerned she might die that week. And they ended up putting her in the, in the step-down unit of the ICU for a full seven days to try to, you know, get her well from sepsis. And so this started on Father's Day in June. And then in September, the, the blood work revealed, you know, there's cancer. Uh, and, and they said, we don't know the exact kind of cancer. We believe it's lymphoma, but we've got to determine the, the type of cancer, the stage of cancer. And so we, we found this, you know, wonderful surgeon over in Oklahoma City. I really, really think the world of him. Um, and uh, he's an expert in you know, robotic surgery. And if you've ever seen robotic surgery, they have a nurse stand over the patient and they make you know, four or five incisions in your abdomen. The, the nurse puts all, this, all these instruments in your abdomen and the doctor is several feet away and he's in front of a computer. And like joysticks playing, well, on a video game, he does the surgery that way. And they're able to do things where you can't, you know, where the, the instruments can do things that your hands can't. And they can do things with a small incision that uh, that'll save you from having you know a, you know a twelve inch incision in your abdomen. So we 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 were so thankful that God put a, a really great surgeon in 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 the path of her life. And you know He said I'll be in there for like thirty minutes. I'll give you a call. And He says we're going to just biopsy it. You know, take a slice, get it to the lab. Take a slice, get it to a lab. But it'll be about thirty minutes. And it ends up being three and a half hours. And, uh, you know, it's, it's really cold that day to get a Wi-Fi signal and a cell signal. They wouldn't let me in the hospital. So I sat outside in a, at a Starbucks in 37 degrees of weather that day. And it was just one of those, those brutal days. And if they tell you it's 30 minutes and it's three and a half hours, you know, your anxiety goes from here to here. <laughs> your, your worries really, really amp up. And, uh, you know, the, the surgeon said, you know, we've, we've, uh, we we found that you know the cancer we found a cancerous mass wrapped around your kidney but also there's a tube that connects your kidney to the bladder and he says it wrapped around about 10 inches of that tube and he said imagine um turning your garden hose on full blast and then standing on it with both feet um that's what's that's what's happened with your kidney it, 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 it the the cancer won't allow the kidney to work so the kidney ruptured and so the, the doctor, he said, you know, with these robotic instruments, he said, it's like cutting away a mass from a pencil lead. But we can do that with a robot. And so, and I, we thought should they take all the cancer out of her body, but they didn't. He says, we've just pushed it over and taken some of your, a little bit of fat from your belly and put it between the cancer and between the kidneys so your kidney will work. And all that sounds, wow, you think we want that cancer out, we want it out now. But he says, you know, we get that with chemotherapy, we get that with radiation, you know, you know, trust us. And, and so we did. And it turned into like, after the surgery, you know, there's six weeks to, to recover so you can handle chemo. And then a, a month of chemo, 
uh, a month of radiation and then, you know, two more years of chemo just to make sure it, it doesn't come back. And so, you know, Connie's on the other side of that now, though there'll probably be more chemo sometime this year. And, you know, as we were walking through all that, you know, Psalm 23 was one of the passages which God used to, to speak to us again and again, and especially verse 4 that speaks about us walking through the valley of the shadow of death. And the, the, the valley isn't death, but it's something that seems at times worse than death or as scary as death. And for us, it was, it was the valley of the shadow of cancer. And, and all of us will at some time in our life walk through the valley of the shadow. And your valley may be like with our family. It might be cancer. It might be some chronic health problem. You know, your valley may be the death of a loved one. Your valley may be um, some kind of family suffering, a relationship dies, a, uh, a family falls apart, a marriage falls apart, you have a divorce, your, your, your valley may be that way. Your valley may be a job loss and all the financial challenges that go on with a job loss, or your valley may be a, a job you absolutely hate, but you have to get up to that job every day because you've got to support your family, or your valley may be a a struggle with anxiety or a struggle with depression. And even though mental illness is really common, you know, we don't like to admit we, we struggle with anxiety or depression. It may be some life crisis you're just suffering with silently and don't want to tell anyone about. It, it might be an addiction. You know, all of us walk through valleys. Most of us know what walking through the valley of the shadow of death is like. If, if you don't know what that's like, thank God, but fasten your seatbelt because all of us visit that valley at some time during our life. And if you're a Christian, the good news is, you know, Christ is with us in the valley. And somehow Jesus will use the valleys that we walk through to help other people walk through the same kinds of valleys. And I hope as we look at Psalm 23 this morning, as you know, I share the story of, of Connie and me, uh, that um, God, God will use that in your life today, and God will speak to you in your life today. And so as, as I prepared the message, I really you know, believe as God led me that, you know, that, that first year, especially of walking through the valley of the shadow of cancer, I believe that God taught us 10 things and particularly me, me 10 things. And so I want to kind of share these uh, 10 things that God taught us through the, through the lens of, of, of Psalm 23. And, it, and many of these things, you know, I knew already up in my head, <laughs> but there's a different thing of knowing it deep in your heart, and it's different to walk through these things, you know, kind of arm in arm with your loved one, arm in arm with our Lord. And uh, the first thing, you know, God reminded me again is that, that God's in control when life feels absolutely out of control. And, and it's always easy to say, um, you know, God's in control. You know, God's in charge or God's in control. We, we, we know that, but, but to actually live that or actually to trust God through that is, can be really different. And so, you know, we, we went through literally, you know, months of tests, lots of hospitalizations. Uh, you know, we, every time we went to the emergency room, it seemed like we ended up there between 11 p.m. and 1 a.m. And then you're there all night long. It seemed like every time that we were there that way. And I, and I found that going through this, this kind of suffering, it pushed us deeper into the arms of God. And suffering does one of two things to us spiritually. Suffering will push us away from God if we allow it to, because we'll get angry with God or frustrated with God, and we'll just 
you know, walk away from God. I've got a family member who says, yeah, I just quit praying. I quit reading scripture. I've, I've quit going to church because God's letting me go through this. And so suffering, even if you know Christ, can push you away from God or, or suffering can push you more into the arms of God. And for, for Connie and me, it pushed us more into the arms of God. And you know, I've studied grief, you know, with a psychology major and studied grief as a chaplain. And I found that I, I, those, those stages of grief that you walk through when you lose a loved one, it's like I was, I was walking through them with Connie because she was so sick. And I, I was really afraid for, for a few months that she was going to die. And for weeks, um, you know, I just, I was exhausted. You ever felt exhausted physically, emotionally, and spiritually? It's like all of it comes together. You know, I was there. And I remember praying as I, I like to walk and pray. I just don't sit still well. So I remember praying so many days as I, as I walked and prayed. And my prayer was, you know, dear Lord Jesus, this, this can't be happening. It can't be happening to Connie. Connie's too good a person. And, you know, and my prayer was, Lord, don't let it be cancer. Let it be something else. And, you know, and at, and at times, literally, whether I was laying in bed praying or out walking in the neighborhood praying or in the hospital praying, at times it felt surreal. You know, it felt like we're in just this nightmare of a dream, but, you know, reality hits and it, it's not a dream. It's, it, it, is, it is real, all, all too real cancer is. And, you know, some days were, were dark, you know, some days just felt discouraging and, and depressing. Some days it, it was just difficult to sleep. You know, I, I, I try not to be a worrier, but when it's, when Connie's health, when I think I'm going to lose my wife, you know, th the stress was heavy on me. And, you know, and we were in the midst of COVID-19. It was the worst of it then. So I'd, I'd bring her to the emergency room. They'd let me go in and they'd say, go sit in your car. And then you sit in the car for, you know, for six hours. I'd bring her to Oklahoma City in the emergency room. And they said, you can't stay here. Just drive back home. We'll call you between 2, 2 a.m. and 4 a.m. You know, leave your cell phone on. So we, you know, we had, we had that, that kind of thing that just seemed to amp up how difficult it was. And life felt really out of control, but each time, you know, I'm reminded in faith, reminded in my relationship with Christ that, that, that God's in control, that, that Christ loves us, he's in control, and, and had to live by faith, not by sight, had to live by faith, not by, not by our feelings, and I found that, you know, for me especially, you know, reading through the Psalms, God spoke during that, that year, especially those first weeks and months God spoke. You know, reading through the four Gospels, especially the, you know, through Jesus' suffering and Jesus' death, God spoke to me especially. And, and Psalm 23.1 was, was frequently on my mind, the Lord is my shepherd. You know, I shall not want. And, you know, I, I didn't grow up on a, uh, on a farm, but I grew up in back of a, a dairy farm. I've, 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 you know, I've been around farms for a lot of my life, but I've never done sheep. You know, I've, I've talked to Aaron recently and he told me about how dumb sheep are. I've heard about how dumb they are, but I've not, not seen it. But, you know, you know sheep are are animals that desperately need a shepherd. <laughs> and we, we, God, we and our humanity def, def, desperately need Jesus as our shepherd, especially when we're in desperate times. And, and Jesus loves us so much as our good shepherd that he died for us. And I remember Jesus spoke to me in prayer one day as I was praying, and Jesus told me, he says, remember, Connie was my daughter way before she was your wife. Um, I'm in control. You're not. You can trust me. 
whether she lives or whether she dies, you can trust me. And Psalm 23, verse 4, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil for, for you're with me. You know, Jesus never leaves us. He never forsakes us. And we, we fear evil. You know, we, we fear cancer. That's why, you know, cancer is terrifying. But we, with, with Christ in our heart, with Christ being the Lord of our life, we don't have to be consumed by fear. It's, it's, it's human nature at times to be anxious. It's human nature at times to be fearful. You know, anxiety and fear, they're a warning to us. Do something, act. <laughs> don't stay at home, get to the hospital. Don't, don't, uh, don't be lax on your, your medical treatments. Go, go take care of yourself. Um, but don't let fear take control. Don't let anxiety take control. It can really get a grip on us and, and affect our lives and affect our faith. Uh, second thing, uh, I, I, I learned again and again that, you know, God gave us the Psalms. That's uh, my second point. God gave us the Psalms to guide our prayers. And, you know, where, where cancer is terrifying and cancer is exhausting, I found that, that Psalms was a lifeline for me. And I, I love my Lord. I, I trust my Lord. Jesus, but I found that some days I was sitting next to Connie in a hospital bed, and I'd driving back and forth uh, from Oklahoma City to Shawnee, and uh, trying to get some sleep, trying to do some ministry, trying to take care of her. I just found, you know, some days I prayed, but I, I didn't have many words for prayer. You know, the only words I'd have some days was, you know, help us, Lord Jesus. I just didn't have words beyond that. But then I, I, I was reading the Psalms. I do, I have a I have a plan where I read the Bible through uh, every year, the whole Bible. It's an ESV plan. They email me every day. And, and most days you're in the midst of the Psalms. Uh, at least you have a Psalm a day you read. And so I, I, just, dove, I just dove into the Psalms. And the, the Psalms had this new meaning for me that, you know, Psalms are great because they're these, uh, the, they're these, these hymns and praise songs. But also many of the Psalms are their prayers. They're prayers of lament and complaint to God. They're, they're prayers of suffering and prayers of death desperation. And that's where we were some days. <laughs> and and, and I, I found when I didn't have the words to pray, the Psalms, as I read them, I, I began praying them to God and they became my words, uh, my prayers to God. So Psalm 23 verse 3 says that the Lord restores my soul. You know, at times we feel so, you know, stressed, so fragmented um, that we need God to enter deep, more deeply into our lives. We need to go deeper with God through prayer, deeper with God through Scripture, and God has a way of, of restoring our souls. And, and I found when I was too worn out to pray, I, you know, I was asking our church to pray, my pastor friends to pray, my, our, our family to pray. And uh, also God brought to mind uh, Romans 8.26, that the Holy Spirit who lives within us as Christians, He prays for us. So I asked I said, Holy Spirit, pray for me today. You know, as I drift off to sleep tonight, Holy Spirit, pray for us through the night. And uh, you know, Romans 8.26 says, the Holy Spirit intercedes for us with wordless groans. So somehow there's this language of prayer in which the Holy Spirit prays to our Lord Jesus. The Holy Spirit prays to our Heavenly Father. And so when we don't know how to pray, when we don't have words for prayer, the, the Holy Spirit prays for us. And that's great news. Uh, Number three, uh, something I already knew, but I was reminded again and again every day is, uh, you know, God's given me a wonderful wife. If, if you're a Christian man and God's given you a, a Christian, a wonderful Christian woman as a wife, you know, 
thank the Lord. <laughs> thank her. And, uh, you know, Proverbs 19, 14 is a favorite of mine. Uh, a prudent wife is from the Lord. You know, you know a, a Christian wife, a Christian woman, she's a, she's a gift from God to you. And so, you know, Connie's God's gift to me in so many ways. She's the love of my life. And, you know, as I watched her through those months, uh, day, days in which I felt frazzled and, and uh, worried, I found, I looked at Connie, she's strong, calm, full of faith, uh, able to laugh, smile, and, and rely on God through the worst of days. And the, the good news is, you know, we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, the valley of the shadow of cancer, but we came out stronger on the other side. I, we have an employee, I work, you know, as a pastor, and I also work as a hospital chaplain, and we have a, an employee health nurse, and I was telling her as I went in to get a, I believe I went in to get a flu shot, and I said, you know, Connie's got cancer now, she's dealing with chemo now, and she says, Charles, you and Connie are going to grow closer through all of this. And, and she was absolutely right. On, on the other side, you know, we're, we're closer than ever. We love each other more than ever. Our, our marriage is stronger. Our relationship with God is stronger. Somehow, you know, walking through the valleys as, as a family, it, the valley can pull you apart or the, or the valley can put you together closer than you've ever been before. And, and thankfully, we've always had a marriage when we're stressed. We, we, we pull together. We don't pull apart. We just, we're wired that way. And I thank the Lord for that. Uh, Number four, um, God, God's reminded me that, you know, every day is a gift from God. Do you look at every day as a gift from God? You know, cancer can be really scary. And Connie and I just have uh, one child. We are, our son is Josh and he's, he's married, lives in Austin, Texas. And we watched, uh, Connie, Connie goes to bed way earlier than Josh and I do. We're night owls. She's the early bird in our family. And, and one night when he was a teenager, we lived on the Gulf Coast. And there were all sorts of petrochemical plants there. And there's all this, a lot of people that live in that area, they're, they're concerned about cancer because of all the chemicals in the air. And uh, one night we watched this, uh, we watched this, this, this uh, TV special on cancer. Um, and so, you know, he's not usually interested in watching that kind of stuff. But since we lived on the Gulf Coast, he's like, we got to watch this, Dad. And one of the things, one of the oncologists said in that special, he says, you know, more than one in three people in America today get cancer. And it's like, man, it's serious as a heart attack. Our son Josh said to me, with, you know, with fear in his voice, he says, gosh, Dad, he says, one in three, that means it could be one of us. And, you know, how true that was, you know, about, about 10 years later, it was one of us, it was Connie. But beyond that, you know, cancer's really touched our family. Um, you know, Connie's, I think Connie's mom's been, been gone about 20 years now. Ovarian cancer got, took Connie's mother's life. Um, my dad died in 2015, you know, ovarian, uh, my dad's uh, cancer was leukemia and, and not Hodgkin's lymphoma. Then three years later, my mom, who has always had all this anxiety about cancer, ended up getting uh, colon cancer and she had a surgery and just never woke up again. You know, did, colon cancer took her life. And so, you know, we, our family's been touched a lot by, by cancer. And it's just, just, just a reminder, walking through that with my parents, walking through it with Connie is, you know, every day is a gift from God. Don't take any day lightly. And when, when Connie was diagnosed with cancer, we had a pastor in our, um, in our, Pot Lincoln Baptist Association, Randy Durham, who pastored uh, 
a First Baptist Asher. He retired about a year ago, and, and I didn't know Randy before Connie got cancer, but he quickly became my friend after Connie got cancer because he's, he's a prayer warrior, and he started calling me up and said, I'm praying for you and Connie today. Can I pray with you on the phone? Or I'd see him at a meeting. I'm praying for you. Can I pray for you now? And, and one day when I was talking to him, he called me like at 10 at night, or he'd call me like in the middle of a Saturday afternoon. And, you know, one sa- Saturday afternoon when Randy called me to pray with me, he told me the story about how he lost his wife to, to, to breast cancer. And she'd been gone more than five years, but you know, he just wept on the phone with me. And, and in his words to me that day was, Charles, cherish every day. <laughs> every day you get to spend with people you love, cherish every day. And, uh, and I just for me since then, every day is sacred. You know, every day is a gift from God. I don't take any day lightly. And I've, I've thought often about Lamentations chapter 3, verses 22 and 23. Great, great passage. You know, hear this word from God. Yeah, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. You know, that steadfast love is for you. It's for me. God's steadfast love. His mercies never come to an end. They're new every morning. Great is God's faithfulness. So, Every day we get up is, is a gift from God to enjoy his love, to enjoy his mercy, and to know that he's faithful. Uh, God also reminded me something I really know well as a pastor and a Christian that you know, we really need each other a great deal as a church. And that's one reason um, Hebrews chapter 10 verse 25 tells us, uh, don't forsake meeting together as a church as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one or all the more as as the day of Jesus' return approaches. And, and what that verse tells us is that, that God's designed us as his people so that we need each other. And his family is the church. And, you know, churches are imperfect. You know, pastors are imperfect. Members are imperfect. And churches are wonderful. And sometimes churches are messy. But at the, our families are like that sometimes. But, but we need each other as a church in so many ways. Um, and I remember one of our older men in the church, uh, Bill, who's 80, and if my dad was alive, my dad would be 80, and Bill came up to me after a Sunday school class when Connie was in the midst of the worst of the mess and was at home that Sunday, and, and Bill said to me, he says, Charles, we'll be strong for you. Rely on our strength. And as this deacon told me that, I was like, that sounds good, but I, I don't have any idea what you mean or how that'll play out. But but it, it, it turned out being, being very true for us. Uh, it, it turned out that the, the church was strong for us. We had a retired nurse in our church, and she checked up on Connie daily, uh, regularly, and she came over the house a couple of times, lived close to us, and just took Connie's vi- vitals. And there are some days, you know, Connie was just deeply hurting, was fighting in, you know, a serious infection. And Connie's tough. She's trying to tough it out at home. And, you know, Jill would come over and said, you know, your, your blood pressure is like, you know, 220 over 190. You're way too sick to be suffering at home. Get, get to the hospital. Call your doctor. And I found that, you know, God used Jill several times, and, you know, Connie's body was really affected by having, going under, you know, general anesthesia, you know, four times over a few months. Her body just worked differently with all that general anesthesia, and, you know, Jill just helped us understand that. And then I, then I found our church, um, you know, they prayed for us. They sent us cards. They called us. They sent us texts. Um, uh, they gave us meals and snacks. And sometimes I just said, you know, no more food. Um, I'm eating hospital food with Connie when she's in the hospital. I got, I got more than I can eat. No, no more food, please. And then, 
you know, when Connie had to be in a step-down ICU for a week, we have a leadership team that kind of like our leadership team here at uh, in McLeod. They just said, Charles, you need time off just to just to care for your wife. So, you know, take take this month off, figure out, help work with the doctors to figure out what's going wrong with her, love her, care for her, but just take the month off. We can handle church without you for a month. You know, I still came to church. I still led staff meetings, but I, I didn't preach. I asked, I asked some of my friends in ministry to preach for me. I asked our staff team to step up for me, and, and they did. And I found our leaders in our association and Pot Lincoln Association and leaders in our state convention, they just stepped up and encouraged us. And, and one thing I'm really grateful for, for, for you all at First Baptist McLeod, you're, you're this kind of church who loves each other and cares for one another and prays for one another. I, I see that so much. That's, you know, that's why this church is so important for the way you, you love and care for people. And, and I really hope every seat will be filled here soon because uh, people in the community need what God offers through this church. They, they need you. You can offer a really great blessing to them. Uh, number six, I found that God used the, the doctors and uh, medical professionals really as his healing presence. And, you know, Matthew 9, 12 says, uh, the sick need a doctor. And I found that, that many times God made his healing presence real to us through doctors and nurses and technicians. Um, uh, they became kind of the, the hands and the feet, the eyes and, and ears of God for us certain days. And um, there was this, ho- ho- do you, if you ever went to the hospital during the worst of COVID, you had to wear a mask, you had to get scanned on your forehead for the, and they had to be asked all these questions about whether you not had COVID. And I, I met this man, Jose, don't know his last name. I always had a mask on. He's never really seen my whole face. I've never seen his whole face. But in the first day he says, why are you here? And I says, you know, my wife's got cancer. And he says, I'm praying for you, Mr. Kimball. And then I, I must have saw him seven or eight more times over a few months. Never saw my whole face. Only saw me every couple of weeks, but he always knew my name. And he was always, hello, Mr. Kimball. How's your wife doing? And it was just that little, little reminder of how God uses people to, to bless us and encourage us. And, you know, Psalm 23, verse 4 uh, talks about God's staff and God's rod. And, and God will use people as, uh, you know, God's staff is his guiding presence. And God guides us spiritually, you know, through prayers and scripture and some, you know, through our hearts. But other times God uses other people to guide us. And, you know, God, God's rod is like a policeman's billy club in which God fights for us. And sometimes he used people to, you know, to, to fight for Connie's life, to fight for her health. And I was so glad we were in a Christian hospital. I remember when Connie got out of surgery, I took her in a wheelchair and rather than like post-surgery, we went to the cancer ward. And it's like, oh my gosh, this is really real. I can't believe we're going to the oncology floor. But there were scripture verses on the wall to greet us there. And I was always free to, to pray out loud, always free to share my faith. We had a, a Muslim sur- a surgeon. We had one of our onco- her oncologists was, uh, uh, is, is Muslim. And we were always free to talk to them about Christ. And they see Jesus, Jesus as a prophet, but not as God. And I would tell them, we believe Jesus is God's son. He's our Lord. We're praying to Jesus to guide your hands and guide your mind as you care for Connie and others like you. And we had that, just that freedom to always speak 
about Christ and to draw close to Christ, and that was a great blessing. Uh, number seven, I, uh, God used me as an advocate for Connie. I think that's something that everyone needs to be reminded of. You know, 1 Timothy 5.8 says, love and care for your family. And, and over, over three years, I, I found that, you know, my, my wife's pretty quiet, a pretty small woman, but she's strong. I'm talking uber strong, super strong. And through, I found through all the surgeries and chemo and radiation, I just, this little lady's got this amazing strength. And, and I've come to believe, you know, women are stronger than men in all things medical. That's why God's designed the ladies to have the babies and not the guys. Uh, you ladies are just, just strong in ways we're not. And, and I found because she's got this high pain threshold and this inner strength that at times she, she would just kind of suffer quietly. You know, both of us grew up in families where if you're hurting, you just didn't say anything. You didn't complain. Just kind of suffered silently. And, you know, I needed to be her advocate. I needed to ask her, tell me how you're feeling. What, what do I need to do to care for you? I said, I love you, but I can't read your mind. <laughs> uh, I, I, I need you just to let me know what we, we need to do, what I need to do. And, and we made the mistake a couple of times of really letting her fight pain at home. You know, she had major surgery and she's trying to fight it with Tylenol because she's tough. And finally had to call the doctor and he said, no, get, get to the pharmacy. You need something more than that or you need to get in and see me. And I, and I found in the hospitals, you know, Connie got her best medical care some days when I spoke up and advocated for her. I found that Sometimes she was too sick to speak for herself, so I had to speak for her. And I found that our hospitals, are, are they're just really short-staffed right now. There's not enough nurses. There's not enough techs on the floor. And, you know, sometimes I had to go physically find a nurse and say, you know, as soon as you've got a, a break from this patient, please come and see Connie. She needs you now. And, you know, at times we were consulting with a doctor on the phone, and I said, I need, we need you here now, not a phone call. I need you here, else I'm going to be in the bed next to Connie. <laughs> so we just, we, we just need you here. And I found that, that, that speaking up and advocating for, uh, for a family member who's sick is sometimes really necessary. I, I learned that being a hospital chaplain, but I also learned it, you know, in the, the past couple of years, just, just being a husband. And so friends, if, if you have a, a loved one, a family member who's sick, Speak up and advocate for them. They they will need you. And if you're you're the sick one, you know, make sure when you go to the doctors or when you go to the hospital, make sure you have someone who loves you, who is there with you. <laughs> many times you need two sets of ears. And also many times you need, you know, someone to speak up for you when you won't, or someone to remember something that you that you don't. We 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 just really need each other when we walk through the through the valley of the shadow. Uh, number eight, you know, God renewed my appreciation for my family of origin. You know, my, you know, my parents and my brother. You know, Proverbs seventeen six says that families are a gift from God. Um, you know, growing up in my family, um, I, I grew up in a pretty messy family. My, I, my dad was an alcoholic. Both my parents grew up with alcoholic fathers. They hit me at 19. I don't think they were ready to have a child yet, but I don't think I ever saw a day in my life when my dad wasn't drunk until I was maybe 14. So alcoholism was a real mess in our family. Um, but I found that walking through cancer gave me this new appreciation for my parents. You know, they fought cancer. They died of cancer. It gave me this new appreciation of my parents' love for 
for me and my brother Dave. And I, I had so many days, you know, my, my parents had died from cancer a few years earlier. So many days I, I wanted to pick up my phone and just say, Dad, this is what we're walking through. Or Mom, the thing you feared the most, Connie's walking through now. Could it just just to talk with them. I knew they would have loved us and supported us. And I've got one brother, and uh, uh, my my brother, when he's gotten upset, sometimes he just doesn't talk to people. And so he, I remember in 2009, he had a disagreement with my mother, and he didn't talk to anyone in our family for nine years, including me. I mean, I texted him, I called him, I Facebook messaged him. He just didn't talk to anyone for nine years, had no idea what went wrong. And it took my mother's death for my brother to reconnect with us and to figure out what went wrong. It was just this crazy misunderstanding. Um, but we had nine years in which we didn't talk. And I mean, there's so, so many families that have these cut-off relationships. And whether you're at fault or they're at fault, man, try to bring things back together. It's not worth walking through cut-off relationships in your family. And I found, you know, my brother David during that first year. I mean, he was a prayer partner. He was an encourager. And it was, it, it was just good to be reconnected. And um, I'd say, you know, don't keep secrets from your family. Sometimes, uh, you know, we've got this health secret and we won't tell our kids or our grandkids or our parents or grandparents. Uh, you know, let people know that's the only way they can pray for you and care for you. Uh, at nine, uh, God gave me uh, a joy in the blessings of little things. Um, Psalm 23, verse 6 says, Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. Have any dog lovers here? Uh, yeah, our, our family, we're big dog lovers, and we, we've got a German Shepherd Border Collie mix um, named after Mozart. Amadeus is his name. And, and he's wherever I go, like if I'm working on a sermon, he's laying down next to me. If I'm going to the mailbox, he beats me to the door. He's going to be with me. Um, he's just Follows, wants to follow me wherever I go. And here, it's, it, this verse tells us, you know, God's goodness and love follow us all the day of our life. It's just like I can't get away from my dog. He wants to be me wherever I go with me. It's the same way with God's goodness and love. You can't get away from God's goodness and love. He, they're pursuing you wherever you go, like that loving family dog. They are chasing you down. And so I found, uh, you know, God gave us this joy in little things. The days we could walk the dog together when Connie was feeling for that that brought us joy. You know, sitting out on our back deck and watching, uh, watching birds and, you know, trying to find the scissor tails, that brought us joy. Or the, trying to find the cardinals. I, you know, I, I set up bird feeders in our front yard where Connie could see them where she was recovering, see them through the window, and that brought us joy. And, you know, listening to music, um, you know, I love blues music. I love Stevie Ray Vaughan. God spoke to me that way. God spoke to me through some of the great songs we sing at the church. And, and I'm a chocoholic. M&Ms some days were vitamins for my soul. And, but I just I had to find things that would just, you know, put a smile on our face and make us happy. But it's so easy to rush through life when we're hurried and worried um, but God teaches me, slow down, you know, enjoy the little things. The little things are where the blessings are. And then number 10, the final one, uh, you know, God taught me or retaught me the importance of what I call Sabbath rest. Um, you know, as Christians, we don't celebrate the Sabbath. You know, that's for the Jewish people. That's Saturday at 6 p.m. I mean, Friday at 6 p.m. till Saturday at 6 p.m. That's their day of rest and worship. You know, Christians don't worship on the Sabbath. We worship on Sunday because Jesus was raised from the dead on Sunday. 
And uh, I'm pr- I was probably one of those AD, ADD kids. You know, I was one that could never sit still, and I still have a hard time sitting still. And, uh, you know, God has to remind me, slow down, <laughs> rest in my presence. Psalm 23, verse 2, the, the Lord makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Um, I know I work at being intentional about being quiet and still before God because it doesn't come naturally. My wife is, it's easy for her to be quiet and still before God. I, I don't do that. I just, I'm not quiet and I'm not still by nature. <laughs> but I found that look, looking to the guidance of verses of uh, lying down in God's presence, resting in God's presence, and somehow when we're quiet in our inner spirit, when we're still in our inner spirit before God, it it gives God room to work in our life. It it opens us up spiritually for God to work in our life. So f- make time every day to be quiet and still before God, to talk to God, but also to allow God to work in your life and talk back with you. Uh, thanks for letting me uh, share Psalm 23 um, and, and talk about our journey today. And as we go into the time of response, remember God loves you more than you can imagine. God is always with you, whether you're walking through that valley today or will walk through it in the future. God's goodness, his loving presence is, is chasing you down, just like my dog does every time I walk into another room or walk to the mailbox. God's love and goodness are always pursuing you because he cares for you and he's with you no matter how dark and horrible the valley. Would you pray with me as Jesse comes to lead us in a time of response? Father in heaven, thank you for your goodness and grace, that your love and and your goodness pursue us every moment of every day of our lives, God. I want to pray for the wonderful people who are here today, our guests, our members. God, work in their hearts, work in their lives. Lord, if they need Jesus, Lord, have them open up their lives to Jesus today. If they need a church, Lord, and you're leading them here, Lord, uh, urge them to connect here today, God. And and for people who are hurting, who are suffering, who are burdened today, God, just uh, remind them that you're in charge, that you love them that you're in control, and and just wrap your arms of love around them today and help them to feel your presence and know your voice. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.